Welcome back to another episode of the Nova Files. Today I'm here with our buddy from uh, Creepy Chase. I'm Peter from Medallion Comics. And I am uh, Dylan from Creepy Trees Inc. Awesome sauce. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I just uh, marathoned a bunch of new cartoons the other day. Uh, I marathoned uh, the new, new He-Man show. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's another one they made that has more of a Power Rangers vibe that just came out like this week. And the other show I marathoned was something called Party Ant, uh, some new Netflix show. Uh, okay. Basically, uh, basically uh, uh, a nephew moves in with his aunt in Chicago and she's like a uh, party white trash girl and it's just stupid humor and fun. We can't, nothing wrong with a bit of that every now and again. Oh yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's like, the thing that I do like about animation right now is that they're making more adult-oriented animation these days because, like, obviously things like the, the Simpsons and Family Guy did well, but now you can get away with doing something a little bit more mature uh, via streaming. Like, heck, just remember, did you ever watch BoJack Horseman? I never, I would never really got into it. No, but I'm just getting uh, to the point that, you know, they can make more adult stuff now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, yeah, there used to be uh, one... That I thought was really good and it was a bit ahead of its time. It's called Stressed Eric. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like from when I was a kid. I remember they showed a few episodes like in uh on YTV, the, the it was the local station here in Montreal. And I remember mm. seeing a few, few episodes of it and I'm like, wow, this is messed up. <laughs> but it's great the way that a lot of that stuff there, like that used to only be reserved for 10 or 11 p.m is now it is much more acceptable you know, I remember that's saying. there was one episode of stressed eric that i could never get out of my head it's the episode where like an old friend of his comes back into town and they're trying to have sex and they just okay. keep interrupted at every single opportunity yeah and then, like, the girl leaves like and he's like just blue balled all the way to hell <laughs> uh, yeah stuff like that i think is um it's brilliant, but as you were saying, like uh, just the fact that we can, that we have so much access to that now, is great, and you don't have to feel like, um, well, not to feel, but like say for example, I, I obviously I have a, a four year old son, and so you're watching cartoons all the time, and you don't mind that, but sometimes you do want something that might have a little bit more to it. Mm -hmm. So I, I we we like what did we watch uh, quite recently, like Over the Garden Wall. Oh yeah, I heard about that which is brilliant. Like it's not adult uh, focused in any way, shape or form. It is still a kid's uh, kind of fairy tale cartoon, but it's just all that. It's getting, there's more ambience to it. There's more depth to it. And there is elements where you're a little bit like, there's not a single child watching this who understands that joke. <laughs> well, that was basically watching Disney movies when I was a kid. Like I remember there was one joke uh, the genie said, it's like, oh, I didn't think the earth was supposed to shake until the honeymoon. I didn't get that as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, but it's true. Like, they're putting a lot more effort into these things because you also got to remember the people who are making these shows now are people who grew up with cartoons from our generation, you know? Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. Well, these are people who grew up with cartoons who want to make even better cartoons. Thank, thank the good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few shows uh, that I'm watching right now that I am kind of enjoying. Um, 
They're uh, both Disney shows, but they're really fun. Uh, one's called The Owl House, and the other one's called uh, Amphibia. Uh, very similar premise. They're basically isekai shows where somebody gets sucked into another world of uh, mm. magic and wonder. And it's just, uh, they're getting very interesting right now. They have, they have both uh, female lead protagonists, uh, interesting worlds, interesting premises. I, I like them. They're good stuff. Okay, I might check that out. I, I just started watching um, American Horror Stories. I heard of that. How is that? Uh, well, it's, it's, there's only two episodes in, but it was um, like... I, I like the idea of it being now, you know, single episode, single story kind of thing. I have been a, a big fan of American Horror Stories since it started. Um, but like that... Got the like the Roanoke season in particular. I really checked out on. I was just like, no, it's 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 not really for me anymore. But then it kind of came back. Um, Apocalypse wasn't that bad, and then Cult was obviously probably nearly. It was as good as nearly as good as season two, which is the best season of the whole thing. But um, more back to the point. This kind of this starts in a very similar place as season one. Um, which I. I kind of thought watching the episodes like yeah no they are really good they're enjoyable but it's kind of like the whole point of this was to start moving away from that do you know um, I understand the need for the callback but you dedicated a whole season to this in particular at the very start of this whole thing don't go back to it there's no need to go back to it do something somewhere else do what works you know yeah Yeah. This well this is coming from a guy who writes like Every book I've I've written now is set in a forest. So. <laughs> I was actually going to ask. I, yeah. I'll ask that later. But like, I'm just curious: is it all the same forest, and we're just going through different parts of it? Is it like an interdimensional forest? Um, there, I I kind of. Well, no, no this wouldn't really be spoiling anything. So there's, I have two main books, mm-hmm. uh, which is within the woods and nightlands. And they are both intended, Nightlands is, is intended to be a longer running series. So while there's only one issue out, um, like that first issue took like nearly three years, well, more than three years to write. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that it, it's going to take a lot of time. But the idea of the forests, um, they, yes, they're all the same. Okay, good to know. There's like five people who have read the books who are now like, what? <laughs> um, the the main the main point being that I, I follow, I kind of have this thought that um, that uh, that I live with really, which is like, what if this was all a dream? So, um, the point of that being is we have all these spaces around us where we have just quiet and reflection and and i i am from ireland and i grew up in a in a place called county called wicklow which is sometimes referred to as the garden of ireland because it's a lot of forest very green and um there was a forest around the back of a forest or woods around the back of my parents house that i would spend an awful lot of time with uh, with yes we'll say with (laughs) and there are points in it where the forest could be full of people and you will not hear a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that's that's something that's always really struck me. 
as you know what if this is one of those places where you know it's it's not actually it's not real but it's this singular place where you can go and just realize that there's something else the universe is telling you this point this place is not real but we're giving you this to realize it okay um so which which that idea kind of really comes into play in nightlands in particular because it's actually it's actually a main point uh whereas within the woods i think overall it, it has a relevance to the story uh but that's more about like the deepest darkest part of the woods where traditionally we would if we go into them we would get scared because yes there there is no real light and so there, there's much more of a theatrical sense with that but um the basic premise of it all it is that usually when you with so far with my stories when you're in the woods you're actually in a dream okay well to be fair a lot of like the most common uh, north american horror stories are you know evolve revolve around people being alone at night in the woods mm. there is a certain primordial fear to the woods themselves I'm like there's what there's some popular urbanness in North America, uh, the Jersey Devil, uh, mm. that whole Blair Witch thing, which was the, the movie, but you know, people believe things in the woods. Yeah. 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 But yeah, uh, and I give only start talking about them. So uh, I read uh, Within the Woods, Nightlands, and Lady in the River. Uh, I'm gonna share uh, my screen. I have them open, so we can show a little bit. So obviously, I'm not gonna show everything. Just so people who are watching can get an idea of what we're talking about. And cool. sharing. So this is number one. This is within the woods. Yes. So I'm just going to show the first three pages. So why don't you tell me a little bit about this book first? Uh, within the woods came about uh, twofold. I wanted, uh, I wanted to tell a haunted house story. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to tell a story of uh, the feeling of losing someone who you really care about. All right. Um, so that, as a result, then I got the, the two kind of merged and myself and my fiance went, uh, I brought it to the woods that I used to go to all the time for the first time ever. And she was noticing all the things that I was noticing, you know, like it's it's really quiet, you know, you could you can see other people, you can't hear a thing, all that all that type of jazz. And um I said, Do you know, I, I felt a little bit inspired because I was thinking about the book at the time. I was thinking about the haunted house elements of the book. Yeah. And um I said, right, do you know what? You you know I'm gonna use you as a model, like a lot of this, it's really a story about what if I lost you? Um, so how about this? If you're willing, I'm, I'm going to lose you in these woods. And, uh, that's what we did. So I, <laughs> I, I uh, followed her around with my phone. I, I took photos of her and a video of it. This is going to sound awful, but she agreed to it. This is part of it. So she went up she basically went deeper and deeper into the woods on her own and didn't know where I was. And, and so like even though the drawing is the drawing is very rudimentary and early on for for my career in this um all those shots is like yeah i was behind her she didn't know i was behind her i was like buried behind a tree or was in a bush or something like that i was running around her the whole time um 
Dude, and so it sounds like you were really playing with fire, man. Because you want a horror movie, that's how a horror movie starts. A couple in the woods being idiots. But this, but I think it, it makes it more genuine. It's like, what's the best thing about the first Alien movie is that they didn't they didn't actually know when the alien was going to show up. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm just joking because, you know. Oh, yeah. That's going to happen is when you do stuff like that. But so, I, I remember that, yeah. yeah, like the whole like chest burster thing, like no one knew that was happening. It was just like, that, those are genuine reactions. Yeah, so it, it, I thought it, it's like, you know, I have this, this something went off in my head where it was like, this is true artistic integrity. David Lynch would be proud of this. And um, so it, it really became a bad, that's why I, I kind of subtitled it as The Fear. So um, I initially wanted Within the Woods to be about the stages of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as I, as I write Within the Woods too, I don't know if that's going to be recon yet. So we'll, we'll keep, we'll, we'll, I'll say no more on that. But the, the basic premise is about, is about loss. And okay. uh, loss and not being able to let that go. Okay. Uh, so I got a chance to read it. Uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, we did talk a little bit about it yesterday via message, but yeah. I think my main critiques is simple. One, uh, the lettering. So yeah. you need to maintain some consistency. Uh, the beginning is a little bit slow, but, but once it gets going, it gets going. And you know, you do have some horror elements in this, and this is a brand new franchise. So I would recommend uh, adding a little bit more of that horror element right on the cover, especially. Okay. No, you got the the monster on the cover. Like even if it's just in the shadows, it's already how do I put this? It's already implying something's coming before you even start the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I did enjoy it. Like I said, that those were my only complaints. A bit of a slow beginning. By the time I realized what was going on. And yeah. another thing I would recommend is because I know you're going full black and white, which is great. But maybe also look into, how do I put this? You know, in comics, sometimes they have like, not different colored text boxes, but like different feels to certain text boxes to represent certain things. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, uh, considering was, a lot of, a lot of your elements are happening in the force in a dream, I take it advantage of that. Yeah. So, who, was, who was I reading? I was reading a book recently where that was, I think it was a Brubaker book. I can't quite remember. Was it? femme fatale or something like that where it's like it, if you've ever read it and you see every 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 thought box and then every speech bubble and everything like that like for the basically the the thought boxes uh hi, like the color highlight and the shape of the box not only tells you who's thinking it but also tells you their state like tells you the more the ambience around their state of mind yeah. i say i love i love a good thought box uh, but there was just this that element of everything was a little bit different because it, it heightened something a little bit more. So yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and considering you have a lot of things that play into the dream elements, into the the forest itself, it's just an element you should take advantage of because hmm. you do have a lot of shifting of what world we're in, and just having a visual representation of that could help. Okay. And actually, I have a bit of a similar critique for Lady in the River. Yep. Oh, I'm at the end right here, so we're just gonna. <laughs> Once again, I do my my. I like what the cover is. 
but you want something that's gonna, how do I put this? Pop a little more? Yeah. Like if I could say maybe having her silhouette in the water or having her eyes in the water, something to add that level of scare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this story was a, this is a more of a short story from what I get. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about this one? So this is actually the, um, I am currently doing a series of short stories that are based around one of the, uh, based around a character you haven't seen yet in Within the Woods. Okay. And because uh, I, I had the, I, like I know, as I, I probably spoken on a podcast before, is that I, I know the, how all my stories are going to end. Which is always and, a good thing before you get started. Yeah. <laughs> so I work kind of twofold is whereas I jot down the initial premise or like, you know, just this one tagline about it and then I, I, I finish it. Basically, I, I have the ending. And um, that way I, I kind of feel everything in between can come very naturally or it can change if it wants to change, do you know? And uh, when I wrote the initial script for Within the Woods, uh, it was actually a lot longer than the, the first book there. But what came about was then I felt I hadn't, there was people who show up who had no explanation to them in the whole script. And so I said, instead of making the one book even bigger and taking even longer to get it out why don't i do this series of short stories which can then jump in there can be characters from within the woods in it but there will also just be characters who you won't see in within the woods but will explain the whole situation better of what's actually going on okay i like that um, and that is actually because because i've mentioned the name a few times but that's going to be that actual series of short stories is under the banner of house of nothing all right so let's take a, look, a little bit of a look at uh, Made in the Woods. Now here, I noticed you, you use more of a digital lettering. Yes. Uh, which is good, but how do I put this? When you look here, you can tell like you squish the words and all that. Uh, the, the, the lettering still needs a little bit of work in my opinion. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you, you're on a better path here is this you need something that matches the story, but also doesn't look like an image that's been squished to fit. Yeah, the lettering is a journey in itself, really. So uh, much respect to letterers. Um, as I, as I, as I uh, messaged you last night, it was like the debate of will, be, will this be the bubble that just has standard comic sans, you know? Um, even I, I, then some of the, some of my friends who I would send on stories or who occasionally write with me, I'd be like, guys, this is, this is the one. Times New Roman. Let's get on it in comic books. <laughs> actually, on that topic, and we're actually going to bring back one of my critiques from the last one, is the use of different uh, styles for lettering. Because you have the uh, the lady, I'm assuming here, talking in the yeah. bubble. Yeah. Nothing differentiates them from the rest. In that, considering we have maybe something a little bit more ethereal talking here, Having that different vibe would always uh, benefit. Hmm. And my own—I uh, actually like this one. It's good. It's a—it's a short story. It's very uh, to the point. It's easy to follow. I like it. Uh, the only thing I would uh, do is the lady talks too much. 
<laughs> and that's gonna sound horrible to say, but I find with characters like that, less is more. I, I get you though. Yeah, that's it. Um even if, yeah, just looking at the comic because I, I haven't I I haven't read it since it went up on the website. Mm-hmm. And um, I can see that straight away actually is like wow, she talks a ton in this book. Yeah. I was saying for a creature like her, uh, the the appeals in the mystery. Mm. And I'm seeing, uh, like, I'm not going to show it because I don't want to spoil the end of the book right now for people who are watching. Uh, I just find it's more like she's singing a song and it's, and it's very repetitive when you should be thinking more about having her recite a poem. So something a little bit more shortened to the point. Hmm. And uh, yeah, besides that, the, I do like your art. It's got a very indie grunge look and has it stand out. But I would recommend... Maybe, I know this sounds silly to say, maybe add some red into your color palette from time to time. I find, especially with black and white books, when there's a little bit of red to emphasize something really bad or really horrible, it always sticks out to me. Well, that was actually something I, I was... Um... That's an art- artistic choice you would make, yay or nay. Yeah. I was thinking about it initially because, obviously, I'm working on one now. And as I was saying to you, so there's it all bubbles lettering will all be completely digital so i've just focused on the artwork and now entering into just that um just even thinking of adding in you know the gray tones like that very manga kind of yeah zip tone kind of stuff as well even just to see um but yeah i i understand what you're saying of just that like especially with my artwork so my background is actually uh, etching yeah and um with that, I can see it's even see it here. Looking back, it does need something a little bit more to stand out with occasionally. Yeah, so maybe some type of splash of color or something like that. Oh goddamn game! Why am I on game? <laughs> There's uh, something I just wanted to show you quickly. Quickly, uh, it's a bit of uh, what reminds me of your arts. If we're gonna just if we're gonna compare it to manga, there is a manga yeah. that does remind me of it. Have you ever read Gantz? I have. I've never, I've, I haven't deep dived into it, but I, I have read um, parts of it. It has a very uh, unique art style, all mm. the black and whites. See if we can find some uh, comparison. I don't think Gene Simmons is just popping up there in the middle of, uh, of all this. Because <laughs> why not, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, God, I'm still in goddamn pain. Shout out to Bing users, all six of you. <laughs> all right, I just, I just want to get a good example. Just as a side note, while you're doing that, we we've uh, on um, one of the streaming services they have that show Bones, and um, we were we were watching it the other night, and it was just around the height of of Bing when they were really trying to push it, and there was one of those awful, awful, blatant advertisements for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you just say, like, oh. I binged it. As the laptop turns, you're like, for fuck. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, this is some of the, the black and whites of it that really made it stand out. Yeah, Obviously, it's yeah. a little bit gory here, but you know, it's all comics, so you know, none of this is real. Disclaimer right here, none of this is real. <laughs> and of course, yeah, because manga. Anyways, that's uh, just to 
make my. Let's get into. I'm I'm currently going through Berserk. Um, oh god, yeah, Berserk. Oh boy, that's something I can definitely not show on the screen. <laughs> I'm uh, Joe. Chapter four of three hundred and sixty-four. So. Um, didn't the uh, the creator of Berserk pass away uh, this year? Yeah, he did. Um, like apparently, with, uh, uh, I think it was a cardiac problem, uh, but not uncommon in the manga community. Well, apparently, as, as as I was watching a kind of little, I think it was a YouTube video or something that was like half an hour long about this whole like the culture of being a mangaka is basically you work yourself to death. It's uh, a very um, Japanese uh, culture, mm. that especially. Um, from what I've noticed, though, just a quick tangent: the difference between manga creators and comic book creators is quite simple. Uh, the manga can be a one-man show, so something like what you're doing, this can be put mm. in something like Shonen Jump. Yeah. Uh, comic books are like huge industries where everyone's basically working on everything. So like, hey, if you get a job at this company, you're going to work as a letterer on like an established comic book that's still running or established characters. People aren't necessarily bringing in constantly new ideas. And that's something I do prefer about the manga industry in that every year, like, hey, we have 50 new stories from different creators. They're going to have this much of a run. What's doing well? What's not? Okay, this one's doing really well. Let's continue it. This one barely has any views, so we're going to end it after a certain amount of issue. But everything is more or less given a fair shot. I think that's one of the things that draws me to it the most. Like I'm not, I'm not, like I wouldn't say I have a desire to be a manga or you know, if Shonen Jump actually want to, you know, take one of these, that's fine by me. Um, but. I, I I would completely agree with you. I like the fact that things are actually given time. You know, it might be a very short window. Like, look, you have three chapters and you read some mangas and they're like, the, a chapter only might be five pages. But get it in by Sunday and let's just see how popular it is. Yeah. And then you have stuff like, hell, One Piece is still running, but that's like an, yeah. one of the exceptions to the rules. Uh, you have uh, like some of these big series that would start and end. Like Sailor Moon had a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, Dragon Ball did for a long time, but then they kind of revitalized it because that is the big, one of the biggest money-making franchises of all time. Yeah. But I mean, stuff like uh, Naruto ended, had a sequel series. Uh, Bleach ended. Uh, Hunter x Hunter. Uh, I can go into obscure stuff, but I just can't name everything off the top of my head right now. But like. These stories, you know, they come and go, and then you got the, the new hotness, right? Mm. Uh, the Western comic industry has been overrun by the same uh, groups over and over again, which doesn't always give a chance for, like, smaller things to shine, but you do have exceptions to the rule, like Invincible, uh, which got its own TV show, The Walking Dead, which was a, a comic book. Uh, you have a bunch of, like, smaller indie books, but it's just the way our market is here compared to there There's yeah it's a, it's something that does drive me crazy because it's like it's like that when you thought you have you have basically the big guys who control everything and there's certain ones like i watched what was i looking at who or who published it the other day but uh it was about blade mm -hmm. as a character and blade has not actually had a proper run of a solo series i believe it he's had three movies He's been part of multiple teams. He's in one of the newest video games they've announced. But even now, as they have like a 
hugely successful, amazing um, actor who I believe he, 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 he also won an Oscar. And there is still no mention of that character getting a full run of a solo series. Well, that's because like a lot of books come and die on arrival. Um, yeah. You know who had the longest running female lead series in Marvel for the longest time? No, who's that? Spider-Girl. So for the longest time, she had the longest running comic uh, series with a main female character. Uh, it was an alternate un universe character, uh, Mayday Parker, who was the daughter of Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Uh, it was the MC2 universe. It was fairly popular for a good amount of time, but the problem is that she's not a character that can be easily marketable because she's the daughter of one of the main characters who they refused to age up. So they just had to end the series at some point and they just got to find a way, to, other ways to use the name because they can't bring her into the main universe because that means aging up the main universe. Yeah. So, hey, we have this very popular character from a sequel series. Crap, we can't do anything with the sequel series because that means we have to like change our established character. Which is something I do prefer about the Marvel movies in that when an actor is gone, he's gone. They can't go back to that well. They're going to have to move forward. Yeah. Unless you're doing a what if. <laughs> yeah, How but even that, like I, the fact that they changed the, the like a lot of the voice, if the actors came, were like, I'm not going to come back and do the voice. Yeah. Like I, Downey Jr. again, proving that he he really knows what he's doing and that like I've done in, in his comment of like, I have literally done everything I can do with that. Why would I come back and do the voice of it? Yeah. Well, and also, you know, they have a bunch of voice casts for these characters through video games, through uh, ad TV shows, cartoons. So it's like, Hey, the guy says, you know what? Uh, I'm not into voice acting mm. because voice acting is a whole different skill set compared to regular acting. So maybe just like, Hey, you know what? I don't need it. You know what? Let some other guy get the money out of it. But that's it. Yeah. What were what should we see recently? I mean, yeah, I've been trying to guess my, my four-year-old into Dragon Ball. Oh, uh, yes. And um there was a compilation clip on YouTube of I can't remember the actor's name who's who's been the voice of Goku for God knows how long. But he was it was a compilation of his screams. Scott McNeil? No, 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 it was a combination of all his kind of like top screams, do you know? Sean Schemmel. Sean Schemmel, yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, and his scream going Super Saiyan 3, he literally passed out. It's, it's just like, this is amazing. Do you know? This, I, I, I want that job. It's like, who used to be really big in that? He was in all the Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, Ted Tuscarero or something, I think was his name. Um, but uh, yeah just anyway just wow just skills in themselves you know uh, to go to then bring it to to wind it back so it's not a, a dragon ball fan fest you know i always episode. thought if, if i ever had kids i would make sure they grew up on the cartoons i watched because i just think like you know ageism aside like yo dude like we grew up with so much better stuff than what's on tv right now it's like you know what i'm gonna sit down with my kids and we're gonna watch samurai pizza cats together we're gonna watch looney tunes we're going to watch OG Digimon. We're going to watch OG uh, Pokemon. We're going to watch OG Dragon Ball. Like, not even Dragon Ball Z. You find the like original Dragon Ball series with like 
where they're actually hunting for the Dragon Balls. Goku's still a kid. You start oh, from yeah, there, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you go up to Super. It's like we're gonna follow the same path your dad did. Exactly. Thirty years worth of this one cartoon. Yeah. Um, we're gonna watch some we Beast Wars. We we we've we've done that with the po- with uh, Pokemon. He's oh, seen really? like yeah, yeah, he's seen the original series. He wasn't mad on it. There's one at the minute, Sun and Moon, that mm-hmm. he is quite fond of. But it's much more. You can actually see the difference in uh, that whole difference of how things are marketed to kids then and now. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one now, it's very you know, poppy, uh, very of the moment, chimey, chimey. Nothing's too sad. There's never any real peril. Um, because the if we the odd time if we can find it we'll watch the real Ghostbusters mm. and um, that again it's just a, that's a world unto itself. But uh, he he's not he there are times he's really in the mood for it and there are other times there are episodes in that where the music kicks in you know that we're genuinely very creepy I think and. Especially now, the way all these cartoons are now, and they're they're very poppy, they're very quick. It's all, um, it's all very, it's actually all very anime in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's no peril and there's no real room for atmosphere. Whereas, like, depends uh, on the type of show you're watching. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking especially like the, like small children. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas we had like the Ghostbusters and things like that, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and now. A lot of those shows, while some of them are still good, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoons. Um, the one from the uh, late 2000s, um, there was one in 2003, which I loved. I thought it was very mm-hmm. mature. It took a lot of elements from the comics. There was literally an episode where Leonardo decapitates Shredder. But then it t- turns out that Shredder is actually a Krang. So it's like he's uh, one of those like squids in a bot in a, in a robot body. So they basically combine Krang and Shredder into one character. And then you have the, the last one uh, before Rise of the TMNT, where it was just um, the Ninja Turtles, it was a 3D animated show and it brought in elements from like the original series, uh, from the comic books, and it got dark and it had some, some real edge to it. Like Splinter dies like three times. <laughs> and the third one, it sticks. And I think the, the series finale was a Mad Max tribute. Oh, wow. No, I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, I think that had like several seasons. It's like, if you sit down and watch it, you are going to enjoy it. As any, I find any Ninja Turtles fan will enjoy it because they can even bring some like stupid like references from like the cart, the, like the toy line. Like there's, there's a Mutagen Man. Uh, what else? Uh, and they bring in Bebop and Rocksteady, but like modernize them, and they even have a crossover with the original Ninja Turtles team. Oh wow! Yeah, because um, from what I understand, the original voice actor for Raphael in the original series is playing Donatello in this one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, let me just find a quick little picture of it. I gotta be careful with what I share on my screen because I have way too many things open and some things that are not uh, suitable for a young audience. But uh, okay. basically, look up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from like the, find the 3D animated show. Yeah, yeah, no, but I've have some time now saving stuff. My uh, young nephew, uh, he grew up watching that and he really liked it. And oh, another thing that uh, we watched together when he was younger, Sonic Boom. 
I feel that we've had that. I feel that we watched that recently. It's surprisingly fun. Like Sonic is a good character. He's a good franchise character for younger kids. Because my nephew got into it by playing Sonic Dash on my phone, which I had at the time, which is just a running uh, app game. And then we found the Sonic Boom cartoon, and it's actually kind of funny. The entire Sonic Boom franchise was was a was a complete mistake aside from that cartoon. <laughs> I know we 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 actually watched the recent um I say recent how was a year or two ago a Sonic movie. Oh, that was really good. I I th- I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. Uh, like as one of those things. Yeah, we all saw the original trailer and was like, Sonic needs to change, but they changed it, and I think it's actually a really good movie. Um, it was this uh, joke that was going around for a while it was a picture of Jim Carrey like with his back hurt and said like uh, uh, Jim Carrey reports back problems from carrying the entire movie <laughs> he is brilliant though but I love Jim Carrey as, as oh, an yeah. actor it's like of course I do I love the way you make them <laughs> so, a little I, bit that, I could tell you there's a, a, a little bit of I don't want to do this but I won't back out of the contract. Just a little bit in there. But it, it, he, he dominates. for his grandkids. From what I yeah. But he's really good in the movie. Um, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with the sequel. And I think they cast... Um, Who did they cast for Knuckles again? It was a very prominent name. It was... Uh, the, Idris Elba was cast as Knuckles. I can see it, though. You know, I can hear his, I can hear his voice and picture that character at the same time. I just sincerely hope no one, Knuckles doesn't say, "Do you know the way?" Who's Tails, actually? Oh, I think they got the same actor who plays Tails in the video games. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't need big names for voice acting. Just like, get the actual characters who've been voicing them. Well, that's a. I mean, Kevin Conroy is still the longest-serving Batman as a, as a result, really. Do you know? Um, and I know uh, what was it there? You remember they made that um, Scooby-Doo movie recently, um, where it's with like the Blue Falcon. No. Oh God, yeah. Uh, no, there was. It came out like I think maybe a little bit before the pandemic started. It was Scooby, uh, and it was like a three D animated movie, and they got like all these professional uh actors to play the characters when you've been having the same voice actors who have been voicing them for over a decade now and i think they got like um the only person who they got to continue playing scooby-doo was the same voice actor who's um frank and uh frank walker who is the voice of megatron and also scooby-doo and fred do you know who actually, uh, as uh, as Scooby Doo actors go, I really, or Scooby Doo goes, I actually really like the, you know, the Matthew uh, Lillard movie. Which one's that? That's the one with um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Frankie Prince Jr. Oh, the live action one. Yeah, I actually think I, I still, I enjoy that movie. Okay, the first one is good, campy fun. Yeah. Uh, the second one I didn't like as much. The first one was like great. It was. As long as you don't take it seriously, it's really fun. Yeah, it's like if you're you're going to do a live action, like you're going to do a live action Scooby Doo movie, just enjoy the stupidity of it, mm-hmm. you know. But then the you're the uh, Matthew Lillard or Illard, 
he would be one of my favorite actors anyway when he pops up in anything yeah. i think he's he's a bit of a like he does not get cast enough in things the one the, the what i think was the best scooby-doo revival movie or best scooby-doo reboot movie was scooby-doo on zombie island i haven't seen it oh dude it is amazing it's like a 90s rock camp and everything like uh and the thing is it's like with real monsters and it's an actual good story you feel it's a little too good for scooby-doo but like they just kind of play with all the tropes of scooby-doo and then turn them on their head it has a killer rock soundtrack and it was like one of the first of like a new generation of scooby-doo movies where like they were actually having some uh horror elements added into it like the next one had witches and the one after that had aliens they had the uh, the hex girls who were the uh, this uh, recurring uh, gothic uh, witch band that would be in the Scooby Doo franchise appear in those movies. Oh, I know they good. did one recently where Scooby Doo meets Kiss, <laughs> and that one is like balls to the walls insane. <laughs> like Kiss is all apparently from another planet of like rock gods, and like they have to go there to save from like an intergalactic entity, and it's just like. I was watching with one of my best buddies who's like a really big Scooby-Doo fan and we're just like, dude, what the hell did we just eat that's giving us a trip? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounds like a good time, actually. Yeah, right. I, must, I must check that out. But it's actually uh, also become this weird trend recently with Scooby-Doo where they're trying to retcon all the uh, fantasy elements out of it. In that there's a new movie, Return to Zombie Island, which basically said, Oh yeah, everything we saw on Zion Billy Island was just smoke gas and we were all hallucinating. Or um, where they have the, the Scooby-Doo and the, the 13 Ghosts movie that they did recently saying, oh yeah, 13 Ghosts Scooby-Doo, yeah, we were all hallucinating. None of that actually happened. I'm like, why are you taking the fun out of this? But uh, no, th those are all, uh, I, those movies I don't particularly enjoy. Like the, the, the 13 Ghosts was actually kind of fun because I just poked at some old Scooby-Doo tropes. Uh, Return to Zombie Island, I didn't watch because according, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's non-canon. <laughs> but no, because it also doesn't make sense because in the original uh, Zombie Island movie, they're all adults. They've all like retired from the whole mystery solving thing. They've mm. got an actual job and they're just doing this as a kind of a, a last hurrah because uh, Daphne's not kind of, kind of like a TV show host. And she's saying like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do a, like a an episode on a mystery solving, and like we're gonna try to actually find some real monsters. So she's starting her own show, and the, she brought the gang back together. Okay. But as a concept, like, oh, that makes sense. But then they go to Return to Zombie Island. It's like, oh yeah, we were doing a high school project. Like, girl, you are a TV host. Don't go back to high school. <laughs> that makes no sense. But that's what makes it make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, and if we're going to continue talking about Scooby-Doo, you're going to like this because I know you love the creepy vibes. Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Have you watched it? No, it's, it's, on, it's on the radar, though. It's a, um, I know it's out there. I do want to see it. It's really just a matter of sitting down to watch it. Really. I just haven't had time lately. Right. Let me sum it up. Scooby-Doo meets Lovecraftian horror elements. Perfect. That's all you gotta know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It's been on the radar though, because I think, um, again, bringing it back to the fact that I, ha that I have a small child, him being able to watch, like he's the fact that there's a talking dog into it, doesn't matter. He won't be scared by anything else. It's like, 
that's yeah. So I can get away with watching whatever is there, you know. Fuck yeah, talking dog. <laughs> yeah. You sit there going, but the dog's talking. It's like, don't yeah, don't worry about Cthulhu. Yeah, not not even there. Don't worry about. Oh, <laughs> uh, that actually reminds me. Uh, I was actually watching that new new He Man show the other day. Um, surprisingly, I have nothing bad to say about it. It's a really good show. It's a good reboot. I'd actually recommend it for kids, especially. It's uh, very uh, kid-friendly, or you know, which He-Man should be, you know, because of the original. Uh, and there's this one line because you have Cringer, who's a talking tiger, and like the, the bad guy's making fun of everyone, and then he gets to Cringer. It's like, well, what about me? I got nothing. You're a talking tiger. That's pretty cool. And everyone's like, why can the tiger talk? Well, the, the tigers in my tribe are just far more intelligent than us. <laughs> Uh, oh, if you yeah, just so I can say five words about that. Uh, basically, think He-Man, but he shares the power with the Masters of the Universe. So the Masters of the Universe are getting their powers from He-Man, essentially. Okay. So, like all, like the like for example, uh, in this version, Tila is a, a sorceress. She's an actual magician. So when she gets uh, power from uh, the power of Great Skull, she becomes like the actual sorceress with the wings and the scepter and all that. <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a really cool way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, same thing with Battle Cat. You know, when he gets the power, he becomes you know the obvious Battle Cat. Yeah. And he has his own abilities. He can make lightning claws. Um, in this version, Ram Man is Ram Mam. So it's a uh, one of uh, Adam's childhood friends. Uh, and it's actually a very interesting story. She, um, her and her family got into a, a crash, and their ship was buried. And the only reason she survived is because she was wearing her father's helmet and she's the only one to survive. So I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> we got good dark hero backstory. I approve. Yeah, yeah. So like for her, she's very protective of uh, the people around her. So she gets like, um, she uses the helmet as the ram and all that. And she goes like, and she calls herself Ram Ma'am. And she's like, what? Ram Ma'am? It's like, what can I say? The power of Grayskull makes me feel fancy. <laughs> Uh, and then you have uh, Duncan, who's man at arms, who's a, a, a child in this version, who's the same age as the rest of them. Mm. And he actually becomes like a, a mechanized version of the man at arms armor mixed in with a little bit of Roboto. So he's like the, the tech genius of the group. Yeah. And, uh, you know, He-Man gets his He-Man abilities. But one thing I find really funny about this series is that they all have uh, battle animations and transformation animations. So it's like, I'm feeling like, wow, man, somebody went really into the anime well to do this because every time they unleash their super attacks, yeah. they replay that stock animation. I'm like, dude, what am I watching here? Did you <laughs> Which, but I, I, I like it. I grew up on that stuff, so that's fun. Um, the villains are actually really good in this series. Uh, they actually bring in uh, the uh, Keldor backstory for Skeletor, who is, uh, long story short, Keldor is the brother of the king who tries to usurp him by getting the power of Castle Grayskull. But in this version, because uh, the power deemed him unworthy, it gave him the power of Havoc instead, you know, his Havoc staff. Mm. So in this version, he's actually not after the power of Grayskull. He's like, fuck that, that's bitch power. I'm, I'm using Havoc energy, man. I'm using Chaos energy. So I'm like, oh, yeah. So it's like, check, oh. I must check it out. Yeah, so I like the concept of that is because Skeletor is not fighting for the same power as He-Man. He says, like, screw that power. That's like bitch power. I got the real stuff. Um, 
And Skeletor is like design, it, it changes. So he goes from a human with some skeletal features to like the full blown, like buff man, like a uh, campy ass Skeletor, which I love. And the villains actually have transformations too. So the villains start off with a very uh, more plain design. Mm. And then uh, the way it works in this series is that uh, the, the different weapons of the different characters gets imbued with uh, the power of Grayskull. So they use that weapon to transform. So how Adam has a sort of power, uh, for example, the, the new sorceress, Tila, she has her staff. Uh, the Ram Man has the, the helmet, Duncan has a wrench. And uh, one thing they did with Cringer in the series that I really like, Cringer is not a coward anymore. What happened is that he was actually a you know, regular tiger, but he got captured and declawed. So he doesn't have his claws anymore. So because of that, he's been like, he can't hunt, he can't do anything. So he's just been supporting people. So what happens is Duncan makes him some art, uh, some prosthetic claws, and those become his uh, power-up weapons. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So what the villains do is they copy that. So they take all the villain weapons and then they, uh, so the villains start off with like a very plain version of what the villain used to look like. Hmm. And then they become the full blown comic powered up version of it. And I really like um, Evil Lynn's uh, transformation because it's so freaky. Like she has like these real like bad witch vibes going on when she transforms. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, the thing is, you're seeing the villains throughout the series, but, like, you don't recognize them right away. Like, yeah. Evelyn is Evelyn, and um, a trap jaw is uh, Cronus, who is, like, just a regular guy, but then, like, he breaks his jaw, he puts, like, a, the metal thing, and then they transform into, like, their, like, over-the-top uh, villain versions. Like, Beastman's is, like, he literally breaks out of his body and he becomes, and he's like the beast man now. Oh, cool. The classic, uh, classic wolf man kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's probably what they're going for. So uh, I liked it. It's 10 episodes. It's the first season. It's got some good vibes to it. I enjoy it. And I know it's going to sound silly. This is going to sound really bad, but I watched the other He-Man show. Mm -hmm. I like it. It has some problems, but I like it. But I think because of the negative reception of that show, people are going to give this one way more benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I didn't like that other one. Normally, I wouldn't watch this one, but like, maybe it's not so bad. I th yeah, but that's, it's like that kind of thing of when you see when, when things go, you know, we're, we're bringing it back and we're going darker. Every, the, the, you know, that kind of way, you, you do lose a lot of what initially made the thing work oh yeah yeah like you have to even just to look in the to bring it back to um other stuff in the, the context of batman where it's like we had you know tim burton's two then who who came after michael keaton it was val kilmer mm -hmm. and that was kind of okay but you could see the turning point of where we, we've gone super dark and now we're going way too far um didn't actually, I didn't actually mind Val Kilmer's Batman. I think it's an entertaining movie. Um, it's, but you can see it's the turning point of like, we're taking it from the super dark and turning it into what became like Batman and Robin. Yeah, um, to the camp. Yeah. And it, I think that was a, a little bit of my problem with um, the new Netflix Master of the Universe, where it's like, 
you have taken a little bit of the fun out of it. There are certain characters who we, who if you grew up with them, you do know, um, and you've gone in this little bit more of it's a tone darker. There was, as I as I see, was pointed out a lot. There's a lot of queer baiting in the Netflix show, which um, we it's like. It's this kind of thing of you've already made these assumptions about these characters, and you kind of like there was just too much of that and yeah. to try and, and it's kind of Kevin Smith edgelord stuff, mm. which made it lose a bit of the fun. So just to kind of confirm what you were saying, it's like when you have then you have a show like that, who, where you're watching it and it's pumped up this like spectacle thing, the fun of the, of the original of like getting these stupidly named toys um, and like doing the same thing you saw in the cartoon. And then you have a cartoon now out that, kind of does that like you can't beat a good transformation montage or anything like that you know that's why we still refer that's why power rangers like series 152 of whatever they are now is still there oh yeah um, you know because it, you can't beat the original feeling of just having enjoying a show um not everything has to go darker because you just you will you will the odd time it won't pay off you will lose something about that oh for sure like uh, i remember um and when you say like silly names, never forget, there's a character in Masters of the Universe named Fisto, whose power is that he has a giant fist for punching things. But this is, the, yeah, do you know, but that's the fun stupidity of it. Why would you, how, like, how could you, turn? how could you turn around and go, we need to make this darker? It's like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and you know what? Like, He-Man did kind of become a gay cultural icon because... Okay, if we're looking at the original series, there's a lot of uh, gay undertones to uh, mm. Prince Adam and He-Man. Oh, God. There was this old college humor cartoon that I love. And uh, it's basically all these superheroes saying, like, uh, does this outfit make me look gay? So Prince Alf Adam's like, I like the color. I like the cut. He-Man, it's hot pink. Okay, how about, like, okay, how about now? He takes the, the sword, becomes the He-Man. All right, how about now? The Oracle's like, more gay <laughs> and then Skeletor comes up out of nowhere and like I like it I like it let's go clubbing <laughs> and then they go then the last shot is them clubbing together and I'm just like and, and then I remember there was also this commercial where like they're out of where He-Man and Skeletor are at a bar dancing together and it's just like what the fuck and I just like I, I think it's, it's funny as a concept so like mm. let them have that like it, it's you know what I, I'm perfectly fine with that but I do, uh, like, look, you, you're either going to make the character gay or you're not. Don't yeah. gay people into it. You want to make Tila have a relationship with her new gal pal? Go for it. Do it. Don't uh, tease people with it. Because there's a lot of that that's been going around from cartoons lately because they're too afraid to fully commit, but also they just want to do it for brownie points. That's. I was talking to somebody about this recently in regards to... Uh, the haunting of series yeah and the second season blind manor where it's <clears throat> there ends up being this relationship in it but these two characters went from like they never spoke like they like they barely interacted and when they did they didn't like each other to all of a sudden just out of nowhere it's like well now we're together mm. and you're kind of going like you just did this and it's it, it just now the person I was talking to was like I I don't mind that I, I appreciate that they threw it in there and I'm like but that's the problem they threw it in there 
just to score a point. Yep. And it, I think a, a good version of it is I was mentioning that show to you earlier, the Owl House. Hmm. Uh, a long story short, uh, this girl comes from another world into a, a world of the demon realm where she wants to learn to be how to how to be a witch. And her and this other girl are constantly at odds with each other, and she keeps messing things up. She keeps bothering her, but then she then the girl is always hating on her. Is starting to develop a crush on her. So it's something that builds up throughout season one. And you could actually say like, wait, you want us to play sports together in tight clothes with sweat? I gotta go. <laughs> Like it's 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 like it's it's hilarious, and then in season two they actually start like hanging out mm. more, and they start developing a relationship. And the creator said like, oh yeah, you know, definitely uh, uh, this character is gay, this character is bisexual, because she's shown interest in men as well. So it's like, you know, that's great, awesome. And like you know, they're actually how do I put this? It doesn't feel forced. It feels what's happening in the world. No one's questioning it. No one's making it weird. You know what? They're doing it. It's built up. Great. You know, give somebody. Give somebody like actual representation, not token representation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's, you know, I think that's that's the problem with a lot of things where there we're still we still seem to be in this age of like, we, okay, we've got we've got five of these that we need to at least click on two of them, which is the most popular. Yeah, uh, do you know, and I think I think we're all, I think we all consume all this media together so i think mm -hmm. there just has to be well obviously there won't be because big studios streaming services will um hopefully just kind of go look no one's going to unsubscribe it's either a show we're going to keep going with or we're going to cancel it so just do it oh for sure you know don't don't worry about the box ticking. Just do it. You're either going to be successful, or the worst thing that's going to happen is, like all successful shows that we have, we cancel them. Yeah, <laughs> I think a, a good example of this gone wrong recently. There's a new cartoon that came out called Q Force. I yes, I have seen the banner. I haven't watched it though. Long story short, uh, this guy in the army, uh, maybe like some kind of top secret spy thing comes out as gay and then they relegate him to a basement team with all the other gay people. And how do I put this? Nobody likes it, not even the gay community. From like a lot of people who are straight was like, I don't know, this doesn't really resonate with me. And then they check with the gay people and they're like, yeah, this doesn't resonate with us either. <laughs> Obviously I could be wrong. This is from the things I've heard. So I will fully admit to, I am the type of person who will be, uh, fully admit to being wrong if I realized, you know, hey, maybe the stuff I was looking at was not the best. But generally speaking, from what I'm realizing, no one likes the show. So it's like, okay, that's uh, trying too hard. But that's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's another part of that. It's like, again, but it's all still the box ticking. I think as well, the thing we we have as indie creators is really we aren't yeah we want people to read and engage with their stuff but well, we, we can do what we want We're yeah we have we have that thing of like so yeah it's all well and good me sitting here going just push the button just do it what are they going to do cancel the show it's fine you still got it out there a bit mm -hmm. you know when i don't have something on the streaming service yeah. you know, I, <laughs> I have, have a uh, i have a planned uh relationship for two of my characters who is uh how do i put this 
a uh, I like to describe this character as a bisexual hot mess. And that ev any relationship she gets into, she always finds a way to sabotage it. And the only, how do I put this, healthy relationship she's going to have is with an actual demon. And that just like, you know, of course, the only good relationship I have is with the succubus. But no, that's something planned for later on. But it's like, yeah, you know, just if you're gonna just have fun with it, don't make it weird, make it natural. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's something like you know, kind of where I, what I wanted in Nightlands is a bit like that, where it's kind of like we're not going to be afraid to hide the situation. Mm -hmm. From now on, moving into like again, we're we're still writing issues. We're trying to basically do a lot back to back so it's like issues two three four and five will probably all be written together nice in in one big big mess of a thing and then we'll kind of dish it down um because i know one of the guys sorry i have no fingerprints for some reason at the minute my phone won't let me do anything um so i'm the same like i don't never put fingerprint stuff on anything because my fingerprints are so like hard to read I, asked, I used to work uh, briefly with a security company where I was taking people's fingerprints for uh, security background checks for the government. Mm. So they would have to put their fingerprints, on, their hands on a machine, it would scan their fingerprints. You would have to make sure you got a good scan because of this, this, and this reason. But my hands never scanned correctly on it. And so it's like, oh, well, I don't know what it is with your hand, but like we can't really read your fingerprints really well. So I'm like, I start putting my fingerprints on scanners. Like I'm never opening that shit again. <laughs> um, that's just, yeah, I need to change that. Um, but what was I saying? Yeah. So the, like one of the guys wanted to do a series of his separate short stories for that. So uh, for the Nightlands thing, but overall, what would the main premise of that is we, we didn't, we don't want to just box tick with it. Um, we want to be very, brave and bold with that moving on into the future and just like i said make it natural don't uh, yeah. push it and you know what at the end of the day if you're writing a good story it doesn't matter you know whether you have relationships or not whether they're straight or queer as long as they work in the world as long as they're not forced as long as they're not like hey this is my intention just so i can make you pay attention it's like no just have it be there like anything else don't don't treat it differently.